You're listening to the Vineyard Milwaukee podcast. For more information about Vineyard Milwaukee Church, visit vineyardmilwaukee.com. Now here's this week's message. Hi, I'm Mark Johnson, and I'm here to continue our five-question series. Today's message is, Did Not the Christ Have to Suffer? To start off today, let's talk about symbols and rituals. What kind of symbols are meaningful to you? For each of us, it probably wouldn't take much to think of symbols that are meaningful to us. For me, I only need to look down at my hands. On this hand is my wedding ring. My wedding ring symbolizes the commitment that my wife Carol and I made to each other almost 32 years ago. It'll actually be 32 uh, years on April 9th. Yeah, so that um, symbolizes commitment. a lifelong commitment of, of love and uh, staying with each other. To death to us part, we, we know the whole drill, right? On my right hand is my dad's class ring. And my dad's class ring is meaningful to me as a symbol um, because my dad died uh, when I was just a young boy. And so it's meaningful for me to have this symbol of him um, that I carry around with me everywhere. In part, that symbol, um, is especially meaningful because I feel like my uh, dad's parting gift to me was that life is precious. And um, so I think of that every time I look at that ring. Rituals. What kind of rituals hold meaning for you? Looking back, here are a couple of family rituals that have been meaningful to me. As a young boy, I enjoyed skipping rocks with my family on the shores of Lake Superior. Um, just in Duluth, in Duluth, Minnesota. I learned how to skip rocks from my great-grandma Mary. I can still hear her Swedish um, accent because she was a Swedish immigrant. Marke, you hold the rock just like this in your hand, and then she would um, teach me how to skip that rock right across the top of the water. Swedish rice pudding, that's another symbol, I'm sorry, a ritual that is meaningful to me. Our family celebrated every Christmas with a Swedish rice pudding as dessert. And if you don't know what it is, it's all kinds of creamy goodness. It's uh, cinnamon, and um, there's half and half probably actual, actual full cream in that uh, rice pudding. And um, there's a, a raisin, a plump little raisin included in every batch of rice pudding. And if you are fortunate enough to get the bowl of rice pudding with the raisin in it, then you're blessed with good fortune. Moving um, into my life with Carol, raising our two boys, Lauren and Cole, uh, a ritual were our family Super Bowl parties. Uh, Every year when the Super Bowl came around, Carol and I would uh, celebrate with the boys uh, with a huge spread of food. Carol would make all kinds of uh, wonderful, fun foods for um, all of us. The boys really enjoyed her signature spaceship sandwiches. You'll have to ask her about that sometime. Um, So that was a meaningful ritual for our family. In the past few years, Carol and I have enjoyed a social ritual with our friends Linda and Ray. Um, Friday nights, whenever we can, we get together with them for dinner at a little Mexican restaurant in Delafield, Wisconsin. In Christianity, the number one symbol of our faith is what? It's the cross. 
you can see crosses everywhere within the Christian faith, like on the steeples of older churches. One Sunday morning, I was standing on the front steps of our Vineyard Milwaukee church, greeting people before our service started, and I was looking around, and I easily counted seven or eight church steeples in the distance with crosses on them. You can also spot crosses on church altars, on the covers of hymnals and Bibles, and you'll see crosses on um, the necklaces of people attending church quite often. For me, in the way that I live out my faith, there are two spiritual rituals that I practice um, when it comes to the cross. In this case, my rituals take the form of meditations. When I take communion, I attempt to visualize the sacrifice that uh, Jesus made for us on the cross, and I, I try to visualize it in physical terms. I think about how uh, the bones of Jesus must have been jarring as he hung on the cross from his wrists and his ankles. I think about the uh, blood that dripped down from Jesus. And I, it's important to me to really try to imagine that physical pain so that I can appreciate the sacrifice that he made for us. Another um, ritual that I take part in that has to do with the cross is a centering meditation. In the centering meditation, I take time to contemplate the spiritual sacrifice that Jesus made for us on the cross. I meditate on the spiritual pain that Jesus felt on the cross when he was separated from his Papa God. And we're going to come back to that a little bit later. Did Jesus have to die on the cross? That's our topic today. It's a question that's posed in the Bible. And in Luke chapter 24, verse 26, Jesus actually asks this question himself. I'll set the scene up for you. Three days, three days after the crucifixion, Jesus is risen from the dead. He strolls up next to two of his disciples who are walking to a village named Emmaus. The men are, quote, made to not recognize Jesus, unquote. These two guys are lamenting the crucifixion. They're moaning and groaning and, and carrying on. They're distraught because their Savior, their Lord, has been crucified and, and he's gone. Jesus seems to be pretty fed up with these disciples in this part of the Bible, in this story. According to scripture, Jesus is irritated that these disciples have missed the point of all the prophetic teachings that have pointed toward the crucifixion and the resurrection. And Jesus is like, come on guys, you know this. So Jesus, who's, who's not recognized by these two men, asks them, did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? We're going to unpack that, before, but before we do, let's pray. Hmm. Heavenly Father, many of us are coming to you today with heavy hearts. We're tuning into this um, virtual church broadcast on the internet, and uh, we're carrying heavy hearts because these are difficult times, as you know. Jesus, in this, uh, in this time of worship today, 
Would you please um, take our burdens from us and clear our minds so that we can uh, focus on you, God, and so that we can hear from you. And during this teaching, God, I would ask that you supply the words, the inspiration, the message for, every, for everybody listening today. Thank you, God. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? You'll notice on the screen that we've underlined the phrase have to. We all know that have to is a phrase that means must. Pastor Rich Nathan of the Vineyard Columbus Church refers to the mustness of Jesus dying on the cross. For example, there's Mark chapter 8, verse 31. He then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed after three days and then rise again. Other scriptural references containing similar mustness include Luke chapter 17, verses 24 through 25, Luke chapter 24, verse 7, and John chapter 3, verses 14 through 15. So what's the answer to the question? Did Jesus have to suffer? The, com the common answer, you know it, it's yes, Jesus suffered for our sins. Another way of saying that is, Jesus took our place on the cross. Let's face it, there is a lot of sin in the world, on this continent, in our country, in our state, in our city, even in this church, in me, and maybe in you. A lot of sin. We regularly turn our backs on God. It's what human beings do. Each of us piles up a large debt of sin. Rich Nathan says that collectively, our pile of sin debt, this big pile of sin debt, is so infinitely huge that it takes something infinitely great to pay off that debt. Jesus paid an infinitely huge debt that he did not owe. He did not owe that debt. This is a true statement. But why? Okay, so Jesus died for our sins. Why did Jesus have to die on the cross to erase our sin debt? Here's the bottom line reason. Jesus suffered as a demonstration of his love for us. Some people have a hard time believing that God loves them, that God loves the world, that God loves our country right now. There are so many personal tragedies, so much pain, so much hurt in the world. It's all around us. It's in the news every day, all day long. Facing that pain and hurt, people can ask, where is the love of God in this? It can be so hard to feel the presence of God in this broken world. Christianity, 
Christianity does not offer any easy, off-the-cuff answers to our pain and suffering for any of our, our significant problems. No easy answers. Concerning the love of God, Christianity asserts that you have to actually view the world through a certain set of lenses. If you want to see the love of God, even in the midst of great tragedy, you must keep your eyes fixed on that special symbol, the cross. That's what John the Apostle said in 1 John chapter 3, verse 16. This is how we know what love is. Jesus laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for one another. So we're talking a lot about love here. Let's put love in context. Poets have had a lot to say on the subject of love, from Elizabeth Barrett Browning to Federico Garcia Lorca to Kevin Young. Of course, songwriters and musicians have produced countless songs about love. The Supremes gave us baby love in 1964. Mariah Carey told us that love takes time in 1990. And here in 2020, Lady Gaga gave us stupid love. And then there's social media. We love posts on Facebook tweets on Twitter, and photos on Instagram. Okay, all that gets a little silly sometimes, doesn't it? All the hearts and all the, the love. We love our pets, those of us who have pets, and sometimes maybe a little too much. Have you seen all the posts on pets and social media these days? It's getting a little out of hand. Some people are way too crazy about their pets. Am I right? Oh, hey, how did that photo of my wife and dogs get in there? Sorry, I love those guys. What can I say? Then there's food. Some of us eat a great steak and say, I love this steak. Others of us may love a fabulous veggie burger. But is that love? We love people like our spouse, or a boyfriend, or a girlfriend, our children, our parents, our siblings, our friends. Okay, now we're getting a little closer. In loving other people and being loved by them, we do experience meaningful love. But maybe not perfect love. What about true, pure, self-giving, perfect love? Rich Nathan points out that there has only ever been one act of perfect love. And that's the death of Jesus on the cross. I agree with Rich. And more importantly, I agree with the Bible. The book of Romans, to be exact. Let's read through that scripture. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners... Christ died for us. For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? 
Let's look at that first part again. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In that passage, the Apostle Paul tells us that the reason it was necessary for Jesus to die on the cross was to reveal God's love for us. Let's unpack what Paul tells us. First of all, God's love is revealed by giving his own son to die for us. Imagine that. His own son. His own son. His own son. Secondly, God's love is revealed by giving his own son to die for us. Imagine that. To die for us. To die for us. To die for us. For you and me, the Son of God, Jesus, died a horrible, humiliating, painful death hanging naked on a cross for you and me. And there's more. At the beginning of this talk, I mentioned that one of my meditations involves taking time to contemplate the spiritual pain that Jesus felt on the cross when he was separated from his Father God. To truly grasp the nature of God's sacrifice, the death of his son Jesus on the cross, we must try to contemplate what it meant for Jesus to be spiritually separated from his Papa God when Jesus died for our sins to give us everlasting life. Let's take a look at Mark chapter 15, verse 34. On the cross, near death, Jesus cried out these words in a loud voice. My God, my God, have you forsaken me? In the scripture, can you feel the anguish that Jesus felt being spiritually separated from his papa, his father in heaven? of being abandoned by his papa at the point where he is suffering and dying for all the sins of humankind. And there's more. And, and we're moving to some really good news. As I meditate on the historic scene of God sacrificing his son Jesus on the cross, I always move to these words. It is finished. So as I close out this message, I want for us to take a look at just one more passage from the Bible. John chapter 19, verses 28 through 30. Later, knowing that everything had now been finished, and so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. 
When he had received the drink, Jesus said, It is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. It is finished. It's complete. For us, how freeing is that? Jesus endured death so we don't have to. We can have everlasting life. Jesus endured separation from God so that we can have everlasting relationship with God. And it is finished. It is complete. Wow, I feel loved right now. How about you? If you want to know what true perfect love is, don't look to poets or songwriters or social media or your pets or good food or even within yourself. Look to Christ's sacrifice on the cross. There is peace in knowing that you cannot earn God's love. You cannot work your way into God's good graces. Jesus said, it is finished, and he meant it. There is power in experiencing the perfect love that God has for us. There is hope in experiencing the perfect love that God has for us. During this difficult time that we're all in right now, due to the COVID-19 virus and all that that entails, we all need hope, don't we? All right, I'm going to close us in prayer. Hmm. Dear Papa God, as we all go about our way after worshiping here today, oh, dear God, um, please draw us close. Please help us to feel your love. God, when we're feeling anxious, confused, hopeless. Dear God, help us to look to the cross. Help us to look to the cross where we can see that demonstration of perfect love and know to the depths of our souls that we are loved, loved by you our creator, our savior, our Papa God. In your name we pray, amen. Thanks, folks.